When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. To College Football Live, presented by Zillow. We start with big news impacting the biggest matchup of the college football weekend between the Tennessee Vols and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Vols starting safety Jalen McCullough was arrested on Sunday after allegedly assaulting a man at his apartment complex. He's been charged with felony assault. We start with Pete Thamel joining us. Pete, what's the latest on Jalen McCullough? Jalen McCullough did not practice uh, for Tennessee today, Jason, and it's safe to say after talking to sources at Tennessee today that if there is no significant resolution to his case, he will not play on Saturday against Alabama. That's if the felony assault charges are still looming. Uh, I was told today that they're still in the fact-finding phase, both law enforcement and the university, to find out exactly what happened with Jalen McCullough. He has released a statement through his lawyer proclaiming his innocence. So for now, Tennessee prepares, prepares to play without him. Danico Slaughter and Andre Turrentine, who's an Ohio State transfer, are the two backups most likely to see more time. But we are still going to be awaiting an official designation for Jalen McCullough against Alabama this weekend. Pete, thanks for the info. Obviously, no Tennessee player has played more defensive snaps over the last four seasons than McCullough has, over 2,200 snaps. Now, let's bring in our experts, Joey Galloway, Greg McElroy joining me. I'm Jason Fitz, and we'll try to get the answers to what this means. Joey, what does the st status of McCullough mean to you for this football game? Uh, it, number one, it means a distraction. And, and Tennessee's playing really good football right now, and, and you wonder how fragile the psyche of the team is. Uh, you know, being in a, in a position to do what they've done so far this season, but have Alabama coming to town when your team is playing with a lot of confidence and a lot of things going your way. Now, this is Josh Heupel's second season, and so this team has looked a lot better, playing with a lot more confidence, uh, look like they know what they're doing right now. And so when you have distractions, when you have to start asking, uh, answering questions about things uh, that are not Alabama, you wonder how focused you can keep your team. We're going to find that out. But as far as on the field, he's a leader, uh, you know, he's a quarterback for your defense. Those kind of things matter. But I think it's more about your psyche and your focus going into a week against Alabama. Yeah, I would agree with Joey in a lot of ways there. I remember experiencing this one time as a player uh, going against the Florida Gators team. In the week leading up, Carlos Dunlap was suspended. He was unavailable for that Saturday, and that was a significant coup for us playing against Florida because they didn't have a guy that was dynamic in the front that we had to account for all the time. Now, McCullough is not going to be that pass-rushing specialist that Carlos Dunlap was, but what he could do against an Alabama offense that has maybe had their fair share of ups and downs this year, they might not be able to disguise as much, co much coverage as he, if he's unavailable. They might not be able to communicate and do as much in the back end if he's unavailable. So missing any piece on your defense, especially a piece that plays this often, is significant especially in a big game when things start flying and things start getting more challenging. 
You want to have as much veteran leadership on the field as you can possibly have. So being at less than 100% is obviously less than ideal for the Volunteers. Especially for a Tennessee team trying to do the impossible. Now, Bryce Young suffered a sprained AC joint in his throwing shoulder during Alabama's win over Arkansas. Backup Jalen Milrow got the, the win over Texas A&M. But it wasn't an easy win for him. The question becomes, how can Alabama navigate this game without Bryce Young? Greg, what do you think happens here? Well, really difficult, obviously, situation last week. Jalen Milrow thrust into the starting lineup, first career start, massive platform against a really good Texas A&M defense. They didn't play very well. The ball security was substandard. The passing game clearly took a fairly significant hit. But he is dynamic, and you can see why they've had a package in their offense the last couple of years to just try to get him on the field. But ultimately, this is Bryce Young's team. And if Bryce Young's unavailable, it will obviously lead to them having to completely alter their offensive identity. I, however, though, based on my knowledge of the situation, I believe that Bryce Young will be available. I believe that Bryce Young will play, and that him sitting out last week was ultimately precautionary. So I'm very, very confident that he'll play this week. It's a pain management situation at this point, Joey. And I would expect Bama to put their best foot forward in what might be the most difficult game of the year. Hey, Greg, you might have just changed a whole lot of uh, betting habits uh, right there with that <laughs> bit of information. Uh, with, with my information, you know, Greg, we're going to assume that you know what you're talking about since you're very well connected in college football, especially down at Alabama. And so I would, after watching last week's game in Alabama, the offense having its struggles, I would assume that Bryce Young would have been absolutely positively uh, trying his best to get back on the field. Uh, the team needs him. The offense needs him. He's their leader, obviously one of the best players in college football. So it makes me happy if you're saying he's coming back because obviously in a game like this and this kind of matchup, you want all the best players to be on the field for both teams to be at full strength. Uh, but if he's not able to play because AC joints are, are – they're painful. And we just watched Quinn Ewers from Texas, who also had an AC joint. I think he missed three weeks. So this would be uh, Bryce Young coming back pretty quickly from this. So I hope he can. But if he cannot go and if he can't go an entire game, I think that changes everything for Alabama. They ran the ball well against Texas A&M. And I think that will be their focus if Bryce Young can't go, is trying to run the ball against Tennessee. Well, and gentlemen, I mean, yes, I think obviously he gets back on the field. Everything's great. But there's also a moment of they don't have practice for a couple of weeks. Pain management affects the timing of everything. And here's a sneaky fact. The team that leads the SEC in quarterback pressures is actually the Tennessee Volunteers. So for a defense that's given up a lot of plays, they can get after the quarterback. I mean, Greg, how concerned are you about that offensive line for, the, for Alabama being able to hold back the defensive pressure from Tennessee? I think you can make a case, Jason, that Alabama's worst offensive line performance of the season, especially internally, came last week against Texas A&M. Now, it's obviously a really, really good defensive line that they were facing. Now, I'll be a young defensive line, but Tennessee can definitely create a lot of issues for Alabama because of the pressures and the stunts and the games that they use. I, however, think that if I'm Alabama and if I were calling the plays, it's Bill O'Brien, I'm going to switch places with him. Joey, what I would do is I would really try to lean on the run game because I see those pressure numbers and I see how many negative yardage plays the Tennessee creates. And I also see just how explosive Hendon Hooker and that Tennessee offense is. And I want to play a little keep away. I want to play a little ball control. So I think the onus is going to be more on Alabama's offensive line and the run game than it is going to be on Alabama's offensive line and the pass protection, which is a little bit different than what we've seen from Alabama in recent years. 
And a lot of times, depending upon who you're going against, will dictate to you as a defense how many times you're going to try to pressure, how many times you're going to send blitzes, how many times you're going to get out of your lanes and, and do whatever you need as a defensive line to try, to try to get after the quarterback. Now, if you're an Alabama team and, and you're watching Tennessee and you say, hey, they're going to be coming at us, they're going to be blitzing, if you have athletes on the outside like, like we know Alabama does and you added running back Jameer Gibbs, who's one of the best running backs in college football, uh, you got to take your chances. Now, if you decide you're going to blitz us, you decide you're going to come after us, and, and we get a one-on-one -on -one matchup to the outside, which you know we've seen Milrow hit a slant for a touchdown versus man-to-man -to -man coverage, those are chances you got to take. Uh, defensively, you come into a game like this, you got to pick and choose when you're going to send your pressures because if you don't get home, then you're leaving maybe a linebacker against Jameer Gibbs out in, out in a flat somewhere, which uh, then, then the, the matchup is in Alabama's favor. I agree with you, Greg. Watching Alabama's O-line, they sort of struggled against Texas A&M that was flying around and playing probably as good as they've played all season long. So I think you're going to have to pick and choose when you come after Bama, though, because they got athletes on the outside how both of these teams handle the pressure will be the ultimate defining moment in this game. Let's take a look, gentlemen, at the AP Top 20 brought to you by AT&T 5G. Georgia, Ohio State both jumped ahead of Alabama. The Tide fell to third. Tennessee climbed to sixth ahead of the matchup that week. this weekend. Elsewhere, UCLA ranked 11th after starting 6-0. TCU climbed four spots after uh, handing Kansas its first loss. So, what team needs to make a big statement this weekend, Joey? Um, I, I don't know, necessarily think it's this weekend, but I think just moving forward, I think USC is in a position uh, because of the Pac-12, because they don't have a lot of ranked teams out there. Uh, USC has to make statements because, Greg, you know this. When we get down to the end of this thing, uh, usually you assign one to the SEC, one to the ACC, one to the Big Ten, and there's, uh, we're arguing about who's that last spot. So if you don't have a lot of ranked teams on your schedule to, to, to make statements against, you have to make really good statements against everybody on that schedule. And I think USC is that team that could be left outside looking in if they don't win games huge. And that also goes the same for UCLA. It's a wild assumption there, Joey, to assume that we're going to have just all these undefeateds and all these one all these other things. The team that needs to make the biggest statement right now is a team that has two losses because if they're really trying to get back into the playoff mix, remember, we've never seen a two-loss team make the college football playoff, but the team that's looking up right now is the Texas Longhorns. You might be able to point to their two losses, say, well, they lost by a combined four points, lost their quarterback in the process against Alabama, lost after having a 31-17 lead against Texas Tech. If Texas can go and take care of us against Iowa State and then go on the road to Oklahoma State and make a statement, win huge with some style points, win on the road the following week against Kansas State, also another team that's ranked, then they hit TCU at home, then you go on the road to Kansas. These teams are all ranked, I might add. If you can take care of business against all those teams, oh, and by the way, in the final game of the regular season, you play the reigning Big 12 champs in the Baylor Bears. They have enough meat on the bone, I think Texas does. I'm not trying to say that they're going to make the playoff. I don't think they can. Because ultimately, I think what Joey said is going to come to fruition. We're going to have at least four one-loss Power 5 champions, maybe less. But I also think, too, there is a pathway for Texas to get in the mix if they can run the table at 11-2. and Because you can clearly point to why they lost games and how they lost games when Quinn Ewers was sidelined. Oh, this is just getting started. We are only getting started with what we've got to get done today. All of the drama going on. The SWAC gave us all the drama we can handle, not during the game, but after it with the midfield handshake gone wrong. We'll talk to one of the coaches involved in that moment 
coming up. And on Saturday, we got a battle in the big house. Two rivals trying to remind the world that the Big Ten is not just about Ohio State. We'll break it all down coming up on College Football Live. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. A leaked tape that led to one of the biggest scandals in sports and changed the NBA forever. A podcast that unearthed it all. This is just like what 2014 was mm-hmm. like. Like, there's yeah. a lot of wild stuff happening. And now, a Hulu docudrama. TMZ was calling again and again and saying, we have a tape, do you want to comment? 30 for 30 Podcasts presents The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clip. We reshot the scene, and I could barely watch it because it was so uncomfortable. It was tough. A companion podcast to the FX drama inspired by the award-winning reporting of Ramona Shelburne, one of ESPN's top NBA reporters, an L.A. native, and someone who has been following the story from the moment it broke. Join Ramona as she sits down with the cast and crew of the show in spoiler-filled conversations and behind-the-scenes reaction to each episode. Man, this is crazy, but these people live these lives every day. Donald Sterling, this was his lifestyle for a long time. Listen to The Sterling Affairs. Let's talk clipped wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to College Football Live, presented by Zillow. I always do respectful and respect the game. You know, you got the great guys, W.C. Gordon, the Eddie G. Robinson, those guys, Reno Chasm. That, I, I'm, I'm living on the shows of the swag. Uh, he ain't swag. You know, I'm swag. He ain't swag. So he's in the conference doing a great job. Can't knock that. Got a great team. But you're not going to come here and disrespect me and my team and my school and then want to grow up. Shake my hand and get the hell on. Period. You got the W. Great job. I hope he comes back next year. I, I pray he don't get a power five job. We can play them next year in Jackson. And I pray they put us for their damn home. Coach, after all the dust has settled and, you know, had a couple of days to reflect and think about it, you know, I think we understand why you did what you did. Uh, you issued an apology. Uh, what was the purpose of the apology? Why did you feel the need to apologize? Well, I think the biggest thing from that, you know, my biggest thing, I, I have one rule in life and I explain it to the kids and, and it's the rule that I have for the team is be in control of yourself at all times. So no matter what the situation, uh, you conduct yourself like that on the field and off the field. So, uh, to me, some of the words that I use, the language has to always be appropriate. You realize that you're always the Alabama State University head football coach no matter what. I mean, you're representing the university, uh, the president, board of trustees, the AD, everybody, our fans and alumni. Uh, so for that standpoint, I think you have to be 100% in protocol. And I was a little off on that. So uh, no matter how the emotions are, it's an emotional game. You know, we're emotional when we win. We're emotional when we lose. At the end of the day, you always have to conduct yourself as the head coach. And I felt like uh, I erred in that part. So. I mean, when you do those type of things, you have to apologize for it. And you have to let the kids know that you're human. You know, when the kids make mistakes, we, we jump on them about jumping off sides, about getting personal fouls. So uh, when coaches make personal fouls, we have, to, we have to accept that responsibility also. Own up to it. We appreciate your time, Coach, and thank you so, so much for joining us here. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Thanks, Tiffany and Jay. Let's check out our Capital One fan vote. Which one of these contenders is in the biggest trouble in Week 7? Number one, Alabama when it visits Tennessee. Maybe Michigan when it hosts Penn State, Oklahoma State against TCU, or USC at Utah. Make your voice heard at twitter.com slash CF. 
B. Speaking of Michigan, I'm going to bring the guys back in here, and we'll figure this out. We keep talking about everybody else in the playoff conversation. Joey, are we overlooking Michigan right now? Uh, no, I think they're ranked, what, number four? So we don't have to overlook them. They're sitting in a perfect spot. They have Penn State this weekend, which I believe is number 10, something like that, and they have Ohio State later. We're in that part of the season where we don't have to overlook or we don't have to, like, bring people up because all their games are coming up. And if Michigan beats Penn State, then goes on to beat Ohio State and gets to the Big Ten championship game and can win that, they're in. So they just got to keep feeding Blake Corum and do what they've been doing so far, playing good defense, running the football and being physical, and Michigan will be fine. I'm telling you, man, this game to me fascinates me because I, I really – I feel like I know about Michigan – Right, like we kind of learned a little bit about them the last few weeks, but I don't know anything about Penn State right now. Like, okay, it was a good win against Purdue week one. That's turned into a really good win because Purdue looks pretty good. But I didn't think Penn State played great in that game. And I thought Penn State was awful against Northwestern. I thought they were completely dominant against Auburn. And I think Auburn is just a subpar team. So right now, if you look at Penn State according to FPI, now I'm not the biggest FPI guy by any stretch of the imagination, but right now they're 90th in strength of schedule. But from this point forward for Penn State, they have the hardest, fifth hardest strength of schedule remaining. So, yeah, what they've done to this point is great, but what they're going to do from this point is even more important. And I'm very interested to see how they handle the challenges that currently lie right in front of them. I know this. I know they can run the football. They have a great and dynamic one-two punch at running pack with Katron Allen and Nick Singleton, who are both phenomenal. So this might be the running back matchup of the weekend with what Singleton's done and with what Blake Corum's done against two incredible top seven rush defenses. It's going to be an incredible matchup this weekend. Yeah, you're not wrong, Greg. We spent the whole summer talking about the quarterback in Michigan. Who cares when you got Blake Corm to hand the ball off to? All right, we'll get to another team. Uh, Caleb Williams in USC, they're on a roll. The rest of the Pac-12 is just trying to keep up. Is USC making a case for the college football playoff? We'll figure it out. College Football Live is presented by Zillow. There's no place like Zillow. South Carolina football coach Shane Beamer went full Justin Bieber this summer. Caught the attention of some for dancing, wearing sunglasses, and a viral video. This is sort of what coaches do now, right? It's all about the hype. He was living up the hype, getting large with all of it. But that led to Kentucky coach Mark Stoops expressing his opinion during SEC Media Days about the video. You know, it's easy to change a climate. You know, you just change your uniform, talk a little game, dance around, put on some stupid sunglasses, and <laughs> you could change a climate. But to change a culture is at the core. Now we flash forward to last Saturday. Remember, South Carolina got the 24-14 win at Kentucky with an efficient game from quarterback Spencer Rattler. Good running from Marshawn Lloyd and a defense that, frankly, didn't have to take on Kentucky quarterback Will Levis. That resulted in some fun from Coach Beamer in the locker room after the game. Make sure, hey, make sure we're classy in our post game with the media. All right, 
But at SEC Media Days, he talked about stupid sunglasses uh-huh. and dancing. Come on, come on. get why they all do it. I just don't know why none of them can dance. All right, let's have a real conversation about coaches that are actually making an impact on the field, though. Who's standing out to you this year, Joey? Um, first off, that was very interesting to say, hey, let's be classy in the press conference and then go do that. But I think uh, when we talk about guys making impacts, I think Lincoln Riley comes to mind, Chip Kelly comes to mind. Those are two teams that have sort of been off the radar that are now in the middle of the radar because their coaches have them teams playing well. Uh, there's no coach, I'll say this, there's no coach that makes me feel older than Shane Beamer. Like, I, I, like, I, don't, I don't get the sunglasses. Like, I'm try, like, I just don't get it. Like, it's just not, it doesn't resonate with me. And I just realized, man, like, the time has passed me by. Like, I, these coaches now are appealing to a younger audience, and I am not it. So I guess that's one thing. Uh, some of the guys that have stood out to me so far, as far as the impact is concerned, Sonny Dykes at TCU, it's been amazing to see what he's been able to create, now has them sitting at number 13 in college football, and the impact he's had on Max Duggan. They started the season as a backup quarterback now, thrust into the starting lineup. There's nobody playing better right now in football than Max Duggan throwing the football. C.J. Stroud maybe, but that's about it. So – uh, he would probably be at the top of my list right now as far as guys really that have made a significant impact on their team here in a very short period of time. Uh, you guys forgot Lance Leipold in that one too. All right, let's take a look at some interim coaches that are having tremendous success. In fact, interim coaches all won this week. So every time bloviating gas bags like me say, why change coaches in the middle of the season? They went 5-0 and last week. First time that that's happened since 1978 where they all went 5-0. and Congratulations to those coaches. Now let's take a look at this week's ultimate performance presented by BMW. And for that, we'll look at USC quarterback Caleb Williams. 15-29 for 188, two touchdowns last week against Washington State. Completing just under 65% of his passes this season. 14 touchdowns, only one pick this year overall. USC, big test against Utah this week. Greg, should uh, should they be considered among the other playoff teams? Yeah, I mean, they're definitely in the mix. I think this is going to be an interesting game, though. I mean, Utah, remember back in 2019, went to USC on a Friday night. Utah was number 10 in the country. SC was kind of licking their wounds. And then they knock Keaton Slovis out early in the game. Well, in comes third-string quarterback Matt Fink, who lights up Utah and upsets the Utes there in what was one of the biggest upsets of the college football season. That Utah team went on to come up just a little bit short of the college football playoff in large part due to the performance that they had against USC. So this is an opportunity now for Utah, who's kind of licking their wounds after a 4-2 start and losses to UCLA and Florida. Can they now upend the Trojan season? And we know Utah's been a whole lot better at home than they've been on the road. So a fascinating game this weekend when you look at the matchup. I think this is an opportunity for USC to make a statement. It's why I talked about USC earlier because they only have two ranked teams on their schedule, which is Utah and UCLA. And so in these weekends, when they play those two ranked teams, uh, they need to make statements. They need to go out and beat these teams handily. So this is absolutely a chance for Lincoln Riley to showcase that offense and play the same kind of defense they've been playing and make a big win this weekend for USC. It's never too early to remind everybody that the Pac-12 got rid of divisions when it comes to their championship game. So you could end up with the USC-UCLA Pac-12 championship game. I'm just saying, 
That is something uh, no West Coast football fan feels good about right now. Trolling the world. Greg McElroy, Joe, Joey Galloway, I'm Jason Fitz. Thanks so much for hanging out with us on College Football Live. Come back tomorrow.